The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. The health of your retirement may depend on several numbers and letters. Think 401k, IRA, but that health may be jeopardized by mistakes. This is Tim Whistler's Whistler While You Retire podcast. I'm Patrice Sikora, and I challenge you, Tim, to tell listeners about the expensive mistakes they can make if they don't understand the basics. Well, hey, Patrice, challenge accepted. <laughs> Thanks for throwing <laughs> the gauntlet down. We're all familiar with that phrase, ignorance is bliss, right? I think, I think in certain situations, yeah, that we, we could you know, possibly get by with that type of statement. You, know, you would ask my two sons that. They, they can't pull that off here in our household, but it's okay. You know? <laughs> It's it, it, you know I give them an A for effort right, <laughs> but you know especially when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our assets, you know the assets that we're going to need to transition into a stream of income, we really need to be very cautious about where we are with ignorance, and it's okay to be ignorant. I mean, so many times when I engage with that with that prospect for the first time, mm-hmm. I always find it very interesting where you know they'll they'll mention to me you know I'm just not real educated on this and I don't really know a whole lot. And I always tell people, look, you know, give yourself some grace. I, I wouldn't expect you to. It, it, that's why you're hiring somebody who's got, you know, who has, who possesses the experience, the skill, the training, the training. Exactly. It's like, it's like my analogy with the plumber we've talked about before. I don't care to be a plumber. I just want the water <laughs> to turn on and turn off. So therefore I'll bring in the professional do, do what you got to do. And thank you for everything you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I've just come across, I, I just thought this content here would be really helpful there, you know, we're going to kind of go through this probably in two different episodes, because I don't want to, you know, give everybody a drink of water with a fire hose, you know, and, and so I think we're going to break it down a couple different segments, but I wanted to kind of share probably the 10 most common errors that I have seen IRA and 401k owners make. Now, are these listed in, in order of impact or importance, or are they just all plain important? They're, they're all plain important. Yes, great question. They're all plain important. Not really a specific order. And obviously not every person is making these mistakes. They're just, they're just kind of common ones that I've seen you know, over the years. Okay. Well, let's get started. Let's start with number one on your list, which is the SECURE Act of 2019. Yes. So again, you know, a lot of times we're educated, you know, we've got apps on our phones that, you know, update us with news reports and whatnot. So, you know, we'll see something pass through legislation and we're like, okay, great. They're doing something again and we move on. Well, the SECURE Act of 2019 was was pretty significant. You know, these new rules went into effect in 2020. So I want to kind of hit the highlights of what's going on because it is because again <laughs> when we hear the government getting involved with something it's just almost like we're like okay buckle up it's going to be bumpy yeah, right yeah definitely <laughs> one of the things that i that i carry with me in in my uh, messenger bag that i take with me to appointments is i've got a copy of the 2013 1040 okay <laughs> 
So I'm able to carry it with me because there's only four pages. That's when we could fill it out ourselves. There we go, right? Now, here we are in 2021, and there's 17,635 pages of the IRS. You know, I mean, it's whatever the case is. My point is, even though the government says something, and when it impacts us, we need to be at least aware of how these laws can impact us, especially when it comes to our financials, you know, financial mm -hmm. situations. So, for example, a couple of the benefits from the SECURE Act. One of the things that it did, it, it, that it eliminated the 70 and a half age limit for making traditional IRA contributions. So in other words, if you're still earning income, you actually can contribute longer. Okay, that's, that's a pretty that's significant a good one. piece. Okay. That's a good one, right. Another one that it did, and this one is kind of good and bad, and I'll explain both. Another benefit that came out of the law was it increased the age to start taking RMDs, required minimum distributions, mm -hmm. from age 70 and a half back to 72. So, okay, we can wait longer to take out distributions. So, you know, these new benefits, you know, can possibly help your retirement plans grow and maybe provide more income during the retirement years. Because as we've talked before, retirement is all about income, mm -hmm. right? So we need to make sure we've got a good stream of, of sustainable income coming in. So now again, if somebody turned 70 and a half in 2019 or earlier, they're, they're going to continue to take their R, RMDs, right? So the, the 72 doesn't start to, doesn't apply to them. Okay. But if somebody's coming in, they're aging in here shortly, they are not required to take the RMDs until 72. Okay. So that's, that's one major, you know, change with that. So, you know, how does this affect or impact though, our beneficiaries? So here's what I'm talking about with beneficiaries, our children and our grandchildren could spread their distributions and taxes over their individual life expectancies under the old rules. Okay. So for example, mom and dad have got an IRA, they're living life, they pass away and they've got, they still have funds remaining in an IRA. They're going to pass that on down to their kids or their grandkids. Mm -hmm. Right. So under the old rules, the kids could receive the distributions and pay the taxes over their individual life expectancies. Okay. Under the new rules, <laughs> Children, grandchildren, and all other non-spouse beneficiaries must pay the taxes no later than 10 years after they inherit the money. So in other words, mom or dad passes away. They receive the inheritance of an IRA. Now they have 10 years in which that account needs to be fully liquidated. Oh, wow. So here's some options. So, so when I'm sitting down with somebody and we're talking to you know, mom and dad, and, or sometimes the adult children are present in the conversation as well, which I really like that. I like for the fact when, when families are transparent and they're really coming up with a game plan, not just for mom and dad during the income years, but also for the legacy planning years. Okay. We, you know, if there's going to be money left over, then by all means, let's come up with a plan for that. Because if the IRS is involved, you know, who's going to get it. You're exactly right. I mean, <laughs> the, the silent partner is not so silent a lot of the times, right? So when the non-spouse beneficiary receives this, these funds, they've got a couple of options. Number one, they could cash out the account now and pay all of the taxes, right? They just received a hundred grand. Boom. Let's just cash it out. Send me the proceeds. I'll pay the taxes. Okay. That's, yeah, that's an option. The second one, they could spread the distributions and taxes over 10 years. Okay. So mm -hmm. okay. Hey, from receiving, from receiving hundred thousand dollars, it's all tax deferred. Let's just slice it up into tents. Give me, send me 10 grand. You keep the proceeds and you know, I'll take the net. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Number three, a person could actually wait until a 10th full year to take a full taxable distribution. So, Hey, if we've got a hundred thousand dollars from mom and dad, 
we put it in some type of interest bearing account, we're okay with risk, or maybe we want something less risky, whatever the case may be. If we think that account value could increase overall in 10 years, now if we go from 100, now maybe it's worth 125, 130, whatever the case may be, liquidate that entire thing in one year and pay the taxes. Okay, fine. That's, you know, the whole point of it is. Tim, are you paying the taxes on the whole amount or on the 100,000? You would pay the taxes on the value that it's worth when you take the value, when you take the taxes out. Okay. So like, for example, that third option, if a person said, okay, I'm going to receive $100,000 from mom and dad. The IRS says this account must be completely liquidated within 10 years after I receive the funds. Okay. If we leave the $100,000 IRA into an account that can earn interest, earn growth, mm-hmm. that person might think, you know what? Hey, it's 100 grand now. I know I'm going to probably have a huge tax bill later on down the road, but let's let's inherit 130000 obviously gross. You'd, you'd have net of taxes, but they'll just have to pay all the taxes in that year. So you, you kind of have some options for the non-spouse beneficiaries. Right. But again, we want to be kind of, I think, should be somewhat you know wise in the fact that we're going to give a share of this to the IRS, because here's another question for us before we move on to the next mistake. Do we think tax rates are going to be higher or lower in 10 years? Well, that's a very good question. Very good. I think we know in the our immediate future, we will be seeing something that's higher, but who knows? You're right. 10 years. Exactly. Right. We just don't know. They keep spending the money. That bill's going to come due somehow. So it's just one of the things where if we're going to inherit you know, if we're going to leave funds to a non-spouse beneficiary, you know, there's just some some new laws that are out there that we need to be aware of. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, you, you mentioned required minimum distribution. Now you've got number two here is missing one of those RMDs. Yes. This is not a good day. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's pretend for the sake of our listener that they are turning 72 in 2021. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their first distribution is due by April 1st of the year after they turn 72, which would be next year, okay? Once we attain the age of 72, and now we get into the process of receiving RMDs every year, all future distributions are due by December 31st. So here's the thing. Missed distributions will cause a 50%, 50% excise tax. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is this was painful. And oh. this is this is one of the most common mistakes that I see, unfortunately, in, in this world, in this industry that we live in. Okay. So for example, let's say that based upon your age and the and the amount of money in your retirement plan, you are required to take a ten thousand dollar distribution. Okay. As we said before, December 31st has come and gone, but you fail to take the distribution. So here's what's gonna happen you're still gonna have to pay the income tax on that distribution. So let's just say in that case, it's a 30% tax bracket that you're in, Mm -hmm. you'll pay $3,000 of taxes. But because we missed the RMD and we owe 50% of the RMD, that's another $5,000 on top of the 3,000. So in other words, on a $10,000 RMD, if there's an $8,000 bill that's due total for the taxes and the penalties, which leaves the the client $2,000. Okay. Well, now these these RMDs are is it the recipient's responsibility to take them out, or is the instrument where he's got or she has this money invested is it their responsibility to to pay it out? Yes, great question. It, it is the way I way I position this with people is make sure you're aware of the rules. But yes, the entity in which that holds the funds, if it's if you have an insurance product, if you've got an investment product. Whatever the case is, they know how old you are. They are supposed to be sending you out, remi- sending reminders out to you. 
Okay. But again, we need to be our best advocate. We need to be right. our best advocate for ourselves to make sure that, you know, hey, I've got three different IRAs. Does that mean we didn't take three RMDs? No, we just need to make sure that we satisfy the minimum amount that's due from the total of our IRAs by December 31st of each year. Wow. So you do, you do have to be on top of these things, be your own accountant. It, it helps. I mean, it, and again, from the standpoint of that's really where a true, you know, retirement income planner can really be a best advocate for a client just saying, hey, you know, don't forget, you know, we've got an IRA here, we've got an IRA here. Let's kind of work together and say, okay, if we know our tax bill is going to be, like, well, let's just use 10,000. Yeah. Do we want to take five out of each? Do we want to take 10 out of one? I mean, what there, there's still purpose behind taking an RMD, just like there should be purpose with the entities or the products that hold our investment accounts and retirement accounts. But that is a hefty bill to oh. pay. Oh, it hurts. It hurts bad. Oh. Yep. So we want to avoid that mistake. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> All right, then. And this next one I can see becoming a problem for people who are going through life changes or whatever, but make sure your beneficiaries are designated. Oh man, you aren't a kidding, Patrice. This is so important. Life happens and it happens at such a rapid pace that sometimes it's so easy to forget this one. Yeah. And this is where I, I just try to be very conscious with every conversation I have with somebody, especially when there's a life-changing event. Like for example, a beneficiary passes away or maybe a new beneficiary is born or maybe a beneficiary just went through a divorce. You know, we've all these different life events can certainly alter the path of the funds that we want to leave behind. Mm -hmm. So this is just where I simply just, again, encourage clients, prospects, just get a beneficiary checkup. You know, when, if, you, if you're working with somebody right now on a regular basis, by all means, make sure they understand what different, you know, policies or accounts that you have where a named beneficiary is on that type of policy or account and review that. Just double check. I mean, it, it, you know, the carpenter's phrase, measure twice, cut once. Right. Just making sure that we get a beneficiary checkup. It's just another smart way of being, you know, wise with the funds that we have in our IRA and 401k accounts. And let your family members know it's time for my beneficiary update. Anybody want to say anything? <laughs> right. <laughs> Anybody got some comments you want to share? Okay. <laughs> so true. That's right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Not knowing rollover rules. Yes. Uh, mistake number four, rollover rules are very important because if we don't execute the rollover properly, once again, we could bring the IRS into the equation far more than what we want to. Okay. So there's basically, you know, like for example, let's say that we've been working for ABC company. We've been participating in a 401k and now we're either going to leave ABC company because we're going to go to a different job or we're going to retire from ABC. Right. So we have the 401k. The 401k, if it has all been set up in a pre-tax account, we have the ability now to do to execute what they call a rollover. We roll that over into a traditional IRA. And there's two ways in which we can do that. One is indirect. The other one is direct. So here's, here's the differences between the two. So the indirect rollover is where the check is cut from the 401k administrator it's check, it, the check is cut directly to the employee. And then the employee then decides, hey, I've got this 401k money. I want to roll it over. And I want to put it with this entity, this institution, this insurance company, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're, they're able to do that, but they have 60 days in which 
they need to get those funds deposited into that account. And they can only execute one indirect rollover every 365 days. Yes, that, that, and that's, the, that's that little disclaimer yeah. that, we, that we kind of sometimes miss because any additional indirect rollover in the same year <laughs> creates another bad day. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's yeah. say Joe has two accounts. He's got a $50,000 account and a $250,000 account. And he wants to do the indirect rollover. He's confident in his abilities to do this. So he gets his, he does his rollover for the 50 grand in January, okay? Mm-hmm. Three months later, John's like, oh, hey, I got this other one over here. I want to move this over here to some other entity. So he decides to do another another indirect rollover. Well, what just happened? He executed the second one within 365 days of the first one. So here's what happens. The second indirect rollover is no longer an IRA. He'll pay taxes on the entire dollar amount because it lost its qualification as being a tax-deferred account. Oh, no. Yes. So indirect rollovers are not really the wise way to go. So... Conversely, let's look at the direct rollover. One simple difference, the word direct. The funds are transferred directly from one institution, in our example, ABC company, directly over to the investment firm, the insurance company, wherever those dollars are gonna reside, the check is not cut to the employee or retiree, it's simply transferred directly to the entity. So again, eliminate the middleman, right? Why even risk anything like this? Because number one, you can do this as often as you want without any tax consequences. And there's no mandatory tax withholding because we're, it's simply maintaining its integrity as being what they call a tax deferred account. That's a no brainer. No brainer. That's exactly how we, whenever we're engaging with somebody and we're talking them through that conversation of saying, hey, we've a 401k to roll over, or maybe we have an existing traditional IRA somewhere, we want to move somewhere else. Let's execute the transaction via the direct rollover process. A question back to that guy who's got the 250,000 that he, he rolled over, but within the 365 days, he pays the tax on it. It still can't be considered a Roth IRA in that case. So that's a great question. So what can happen afterwards? Yeah, you're exactly right. So that could be something that a, that a person could possibly look into because right. once the IRS receives their share of the taxes due, they don't care, right? Exactly right. You're exactly right. So oh, I was so, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't. They're like, hey, I got my money. Whatever they get, have left over, it's up to them what they want to do with it. So again, not that we want to kind of come around to a conversion that way. But yes, that, that is something that as long as we follow the guidelines of a Roth conversion, that could be something they could possibly do You know, with that net proceeds of, of that type of a, of a situation that occurred. Well, what I was meaning though is when they paid that taxes to the IRS, they would still have to pay more taxes to make it the Roth IRA. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, oh yes, okay. So to convert funds from a traditional to a Roth, Again, it will be based upon, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So let's say that this gentleman is you know, over 59 and a half, so there's no early withdrawal penalty, and he wants to go ahead and convert X amount of dollars from traditional to a Roth. Then yes, the taxes are owed on the amount of the transfer. So he'd be paying double taxes in there if you did that. Well, exactly right, because what's the tax rate on the conversion? The tax rate is our income tax bracket that we're right. in. So, right. so let's say that that in this example, you know, Joe was just getting ready to retire. Well, he may not have a lot of earned income coming in, but all of a sudden now he makes a mistake of trying to execute a second indirect rollover on a $250,000 account. 
in the eyes of the IRS, guess how much money Joe made in that year? $250,000. He's going to pay income. He's going to pay income taxes at that income tax rate. Now my CPA is not sitting here with me, so I don't know what tax bracket that is, but I know it's not a fun one to be in. Yeah. So he pay a significant amount of money. So in other words, if we were going to execute a conversion and I, I like where you're taking us, if we were going to execute a conversion, you know, we want to look at it from the standpoint of where, how do we, how do we do that strategically? Does it make sense to take 250 and maybe spread it over five years where we're taking 50 grand per year for five years? Do we do it in halves? I mean, it, it, in other words, we're looking at that and that's where really, t- we try to partner with the CPA, with the client's CPA and say, look, this is where we're at. This is what we want to do walk us through the tax liability. We know the IRS is going to get their share, but let's try to keep as much of it for us as we can, but while still following the rules of the IRS. Sounds to me like the direct route is the, is the way to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Simple. I mean, let's just go simple if we can. I, I like that strategy. <laughs> All right. And the last one we're going to talk about today, mistake number five, and we have, as Tim was saying, we have many more to come in the next part of this uh, series, but Tim, you've got his number five, too much risk. What do you mean? So when you look at the element of where we're at, okay, uh, of what's going on today, and, and, and one of the things I want like, like, to like, really like to, to stress with my prospects, with my clients, if you need income from that IRA and or you want to leave a legacy for your family, that four-letter word with risk can destroy, can ruin the plans, okay? So here's what I kind of want to allude to. It's obviously, this is all audio. We're just speaking. There's no visual aids that's, that's come along here. But if we look back over the few years, the last 20 some years, right? Since the market corrected back in the year 2000, that was a very, that's been a very violent roller coaster ride. Lots of downs, lots of ups. The, the point being is that if we put too much risk into the equation, and we have our IRAs that are susceptible to market corrections. It can really change our plans. Mm. Does that make sense? I mean, from the standpoint of, it's like, it's like, let me take you back to the year 2000, right? When everybody was freaking out about, you know, Y2K, <laughs> are we going to have electricity tomorrow, right? I remember that very, very well. I remember Ron and I sitting there on our couch. We, at the time we were living out in Colorado and, and she's, she's pregnant with Cameron. He came along, you know, two months after that, but we're sitting on the couch. We watched the ball drop. It's midnight. It's now 1201. Hey, we still have power. Okay. Let's go to bed. <laughs> right? No big deal. Good right? year. It's a good year already. <laughs> That's right. It was a good year, but then the stock market didn't have a good year, right? The, the, the dot com bubble burst. My point is if a person had, for example, let's say they had a hundred thousand dollars of their funds that they put in the S and P 500, cause that's what they were taught to do. You know, with, with, after that first year, they're already down 10% and they haven't taken any money out of it. And then what happened in 2001, it dropped another 13%, mm. right? It, my, my point is we have to be smart with managing risk. Do we still need growth inside of that account? Absolutely. We do. We can't just afford to take the 401k or the IRA and say, Hey, I want to cash the whole thing in, stick it under the mattress because I'm afraid of risk. No, we just, there are products out there where we can manage risk without sacrificing the opportunity for growth. Okay. And here's why I talk about this right now. What's going on right now in today's environment for me is it's got the risk factor at high. And and here's why there's, there's four different elements of different type of factors that I look at. Number one is bank CD rates. Okay. Mm -hmm. We all know bank CD rates are are paying next to nothing. In fact, bankrate.com is is a very good resource for people to go out and just kind of search for CDs. Right. So for example, a two-year CD, is paying 0.75%. A five, now brace yourself, this gets big. Five-year CD is paying you 1.05%. 
Woo-hoo. Exactly right, right? Ticker tape parade. They're just not, banks aren't paying anything anymore, okay? Then here's another great resource as well. The average dividend from an S&P 500 account is paying 1.38%, okay? Now, here's another one that's not real common, real common for a lot of people. This is one that's what they call the Schiller P-E ratio, the Schiller price to earnings ratio, okay? The thing that, that's important about this particular ratio is that the average ratio is usually around 15.82. It's all-time high was at 44.19. Now, here's the thing about that. The all-time high was set on December of 1999. What oh. happened in the year 2000? Oh, yes. Where we're at right now is at 37.40. I didn't we're, realize it was that high. Ratio is way too high. And the fourth one, this is the one that really just sends the hair up on my on my arms, is the total market cap versus GDP. Now, I don't want to get all economy nerdy on everybody. That's not what I'm trying to do. But when you look at the total market cap compared to the gross domestic product, there is a ratio. And if that ratio starts off at less than or equal to 74%, that's a good sign. Get into the stock market because it's significantly undervalued. Okay. But when that ratio is greater than or equal to 137%, that now falls under the category of being significantly overvalued. We are right now, we are at 202.5. Okay. Now people are going to say, well, Tim, as of this recording, the stock market is doing pretty well. Yeah. I don't disagree. It is going up. But what did we talk about in that previous episode? That sugar rush. Mm -hmm. Stimulus can make things look very, very good. We just have to be kind of aware of, hey, we need to be very cautious. Can we make money in the stock market that's, that's rising? Sure we can. Does it matter what's creating the, the rise in the stock market value? Well, it should because we don't know how sustainable it will be. So that's why I just kind of uh, just try to encourage people. This is not meant to, to fear among anybody. It's not meant to, to scare anybody to death by all means. It, but it, you've worked all those years to save and to create you know, a, a bucket of assets that you're going to convert to income for yourself. Why put a lot of risk involved you know, in the equation? So we want to kind of manage that risk as best we can. Yes, yes. Invest wisely. And with that in mind, how can listeners reach you? They can reach me a couple different ways. Number one, by all means, you know, take a look at the website. You go go to www.thewhistleragency.com. They can reach me by phone at 309-291-0491. And certainly by email at tim at thewhistleragency.com. Now, there are five more mistakes Tim is going to cover in the next episode of this podcast series, Whistler While You Retire. We're going to be looking at things like not knowing how to convert funds into tax-free income and not getting a second opinion. Tim, that'll be a very interesting one coming from you, especially. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So now make sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode is ready. You can also share and, of course, like this podcast. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 
Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance consulting and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This information is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice. You are encouraged to consult your personal tax advisor or attorney.